0: hi it's Ingrid and today I'm taking over the mic to ask Susan what she's hearing learning and thinking during this season of the change your tune podcast my name is Ingrid Munn and I'm a conductor business owner and teacher and I also happen to be Susan's wife <laughs> And one of the things that's been happening in our house during all of these lockdowns while Susan has been recording the podcast is we've had some fantastic discussions about what Susan's been learning and observing about her guests on the podcast. So today we decided to turn the tables and I'm going to be interviewing Susan about what she has been learning and uncovering during the podcast. So Susan, welcome to the Change Your Tune podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Ingrid.
1: Delighted to be here in the basement together with you.
0: (laughs) let's start off by going into maybe some of your reasons for starting the podcast what were you hoping to uncover and highlight for listeners in these discussions with musicians who've now gone into other fields Mm. the
1: thing that i really wanted to get to more than anything was to have people talk about their feelings as they chose to get a bit more control over themselves and their careers i think one of the challenges with the training models for classical musicians is is the sort of very limited range of where you go of what's presented about where you go and there's plenty of people obviously the podcast is full of them who have forged a non-traditional model but i wanted to dig into the feelings much more about much more so than like what you what did you do next and how did you you know how did you apply for that job but what did it feel like to be challenged Um, and what was what was it like to live the experience of deciding to change who you think you are and where you think you're going in life I'm just really fascinated about transition and so that's really what I wanted to uncover was to give people an opportunity to talk about their feelings during that experience and to just have um, an archive of stories about uh, a much broader palette of where musicians go with their careers Um, and also somebody said to me a while ago all all research is really me search at its heart and i think there's a there's certainly an element of that in this for me is i am seeking other people who've had a similar experience to me where they left classical music because it wasn't serving them very well and so i think it's also a bit of me search of um seeking seeking others who've transitioned away and um yeah so i think that that's really what i was seeking to uncover was to find a community of people like me because i felt so alone when i left classical music i felt so shamed and like grieved for a decade and a half. And I really wanted and seeking to find colleagues who've had a similar experience to share what that was like, and then just to um, connect with folks and then to dig into their yet yeah, feelings is my favourite thing right now.
0: Do you think this feeling that you described of being shamed is part of the fact that, ironically, in classical music we don't talk about feelings very often (laughs) uh yeah and
1: i think the shame is really multifaceted and that's one of the one of the problems is there's so many inputs into the training of musicians and because you can't just turn a switch on and give someone um, a scholarship and a bassoon and enter them into a conservatory next year. It's it's decades in the, tra- it's really decades in the training. So there's so many levels of expectation from an investment you've been heavily invested in. And so I think the shame is all, it seems to be through the conversations, what's coming out time and time again is people saying, I felt like I was going to let other people down. And their need was never in that conversation at all. It was all about the expectation and the investment of everybody else around them and not about the person. Nobody ever, I don't think anyone's in these conversations has said, at no point was I asked what my dream for myself was. And I think that's also where the shame comes in. If your dream for yourself is something that isn't what's on a poster, um, what do you do with that? That's really, feels secretive and so um, the shame's really, it's it's, mul- it, it's its a long time in the building and it's a long time in the getting rid of as well. And I think also that's what I wanted in these conversations was I'm on a journey of recovery um, from shame and, and um, some traumatic experiences that have happened to me. And I wanted to hear others' journeys of recovery as well. So um, that's why the feelings are so important because we can't talk about recovery unless we're going to talk about what it feels like to be in that in the moment. Um, So a very long-winded answer
0: to your question (laughs) about shame. What you described about people not wanting to let other people down and that there are lots of people along the way that invest in somebody's journey in classical music. That was exactly what happened to me. Like as you were saying that, I thought that's exactly how I felt. I remember being at the end of high school and trying to choose between going to study music and study medicine. And, you know, I had reasons in both camps on lots of lists on pieces of paper, but one of the biggest driving forces of me feeling bad about not going to study music was i felt like i was letting so many people down i had such good relationships with my teachers and i knew that my parents had like invested so much money in me pursuing music and going to music camps and buying instruments and paying for lessons and exams that i felt like i was somehow betraying all of that investment and all of that care that people had put into me And even when I did go and choose to study medicine, I felt like I'd let lots of people down and I didn't know how to sort of reconcile that with the choice that I'd made. And even when I did make that choice, that question you posed earlier of what does the person actually want? I didn't know that. I didn't know what I wanted. I worked really hard to try and work that out, but I think As you said, the recovery from that shame takes a long time. I think it took me years and years to work out what I actually wanted. And even now I feel like I'm living in a shadow of spending so long not knowing myself and what I really wanted. And again, it's because of these layers and years of investment that have been put behind you that then you feel, what you want doesn't matter because other people have put so much into you and behind you. And that's true, they have. But at the end of the day, we can only really be truly accountable to ourselves. Uh, And if we're not looking after ourselves, no one else is going Mm -hmm. to do that.
1: I was thinking about this earlier. So two things on that the the one conversation that um, the one point in the, in all of these conversations, and I'm at, I'm at about sixteen. I'm recording right now, even though there's only a few released. The one point when people start to cry is when we start is when we if we get onto shame or guilt. That's and um, it's it's non gender specific. I've had plenty of um, male guests tearing up, and plenty of and I'm guilty or not guilty. Sorry, um, I've, I've had that experience too. But that's the, that's the, the two words or the two feelings that come into people's body where they start to cry, where they're overwhelmed by the experience and their feelings is around shame and guilt. And I think it's also tied up with that, as you said about, um, but you're talented. And um, I, like I could see it in you just before when you were listening to, to me speaking, I could see it in, and, you know, we're married, so we know each other very well, but I could see it in your body. As soon as I said that word shame, like your body changed, your face changed because, um, you know, the vagus nerve is in control and that was driving your feelings to come out and be expressed in your face. But also this expectation of, but you're really talented and to not do something with that talent is wasteful. That's a really like I I coach so many work with so many students and young professionals and that 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 is really problematic is the expectation of other people of you're wasting it if you don't use it in this very specific way. And so what I was thinking about before was this notion of how do we how could we. Um, I don't want this podcast to be me bashing higher education and music because that's not cool. Um, but it is my experience through two performance degrees is I've had two very substandard experiences of learning. Um, so I'm trying to acknowledge the truth of that, and also um, the truth that there are places doing a really good, really good job at this. It just that's just not been my lived experience. Um, so I don't want the podcast to be about all the stuff that that the university did wrong. But I was, and I, then I was thinking about if you're 18, 19, 20, 21, you don't know yourself. And like you said, it took you a few years. And I was thinking, well, actually, maybe the work to be done is in having like an alumni support career network. That's actually that five years after you leave, when you do get out and start to discover yourself and start to question some of the things you've been told or you've come to accept as truth about yourself and, and your capacity. So yeah, just been really thinking deeply about actually, instead of they're not doing enough, instead of maybe it needs to be done at another point when maybe people are only ready when they're beginning to find themselves through their journey of higher
0: education. Well, I think one thing you mentioned at the very beginning when we were discussing why you kind of chose to go in this direction with the podcast was that you were seeking people that had had the same experience as you and I think that's what you're talking to right now in terms of building a community and that's actually what this podcast is doing is building a community of people who have all had this experience of i started out in music and whatever that experience was for them and now they're choosing to do something different instead of or as well as going back to that topic of shame and guilt maybe we'll <laughs> get past it eventually but who knows it might be in 15 years time we'll still be on this still, still be talking <laughs> what what stood out for me about the comment you said about talent and you have to use your talent i remember i was not that long out of university of my medical degree and in fact i'd done a year working as a doctor and then had gone back to university to study music I read this amazing book called the element by the late sir ken robinson and there was this two sentence quote that i remember just completely shifted my my entire existence really where he talked about this definition of what is being in your element and that your element is the intersection between something that you're good at and something that you love doing and that really turned on a light bulb for me of, oh, it's okay that I'm actually quite good at doing medicine, but I don't love doing it. I don't love doing it in the same way as I love doing music. And it it was like that two sentences gave me permission to let go of that idea that if I'm talented at something, I must do it. And if I'm not doing it, I'm, I'm wasting that talent or that gift and to instead flip it around and say well if I'm choosing to invest my time in something that I or someone else perceives I'm talented in but I don't love it then that is at the expense of whatever is the thing that I'm talented at that I do love and maybe I haven't even found that yet which was a lot of what that book was about but I remember feeling so much relief and you know Freedom and sense of weight it's coming permission. off my shoulders. Permission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Permission to go, oh, it's okay for me to not do that thing, even though lots of other people look at me and go, well, why would you quit medicine? Uh, every Christmas party we go
1: to. So, how's the conducting thing going in Grinch? Are you glad you left being a doctor for
0: being a conductor? In cash <laughs> <your> bank balance. <laughs> um, but it's funny because there's also, I think, in every profession this sense of the grass being greener on the other side Mm. that you know when i was in medicine people would say oh if you can go and do something else if you can go and do music go do it don't stay here and the musicians all say well why would why would you quit being a doctor why on earth would you live that let that go so you know i think that's that happens in every single profession it wouldn't matter where you are Mm. that there's always this sense of someone else has got it better than me Mm. and that's I think just something to be aware of that we're probably going to face our whole lives Mm. and I'm not sure if people in the podcast have you know described what it felt like to move from one one career model one type of working into a completely different context and how that changed their experience
1: one of the things that comes up time and time again is people saying how fascinated other people are when they say they've got a backstory in music mm. um that's just a gateway to great conversations mm. every single time when they say oh yeah in my you know day job as a UX designer for LinkedIn or um a lawyer when people find it and and actually interestingly um the the phrase that comes out of the guest's mouth is when people find out i'm a musician so it's like this little hmm, dirty's not quite the right word but like a bit of a hidden um hidden thing that's not up front and central and actually there's a you know one of my dreams for people is that they can say first and foremost i'm a trained musician and like to have that as part of their professional identity rather than it being buried in where you've had three scrolls of the mouse down their LinkedIn profile to find it to go, Oh my gosh, this person like trained to a really high level in music while they work professionally, that that was upfront and that that they can talk about that as foundational to the skills they have now. So that's also one of the, one of the kind of very meta points of this podcast is to say music's a great training for, in a way that we talk about science, being a great way to train the mind and a great way to see the world and to ask good questions is we're not really talking about music education in that way and that's one of the things I think that could save us going forward is if we're able to understand from both an empirical and an evidence standpoint what it's useful for um and and where the purpose of it is because the purpose of it for purely entertainment and showbiz is long gone. You know, we've got to look at the purpose of it for making better humans and that, and and therefore, so that people who, who train in it and choose to go use that training, apply it in another way, can speak about that with confidence and passion instead of it being, oh, when people find out, because um, I know that was my experience when I wasn't in music for a decade and a half. I don't even think it was on my LinkedIn profile. I was so shamed, so shamed by it And I couldn't make it took me a long time to be able to make the connection about the things that I'm good at having um, their foundation in my not my music training because I had two as I said two music degrees and both of them looking at them now from from someone who is committed to understanding pedagogy and evidence-based teaching they were both poor teaching and learning experiences um but the skills that I have, sorry, that's our cat. If you're listening, um, the skills actually coming from music making with other people in a variety of contexts. And I would really want others to, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, others to find that and speak about that with conviction instead of it being something that I've got to dig really hard down a LinkedIn profile. And interestingly, I was also thinking about this, about the guests that are on the podcast. Um, the, the main place I found them is like, you know, Ingrid, I spent hours trolling LinkedIn because I'm just like I'm fascinated by people and their stories. And so the people I've tend to found as guests uh, are on LinkedIn who are um, generally white collar professional folks, and um, I've struggled to find people who are sort of um, like sole traders in, a, in, a, in a, like a single person business. Maybe they're really happy they've got a custom cake decorating business. Those kind of folks, those micro micro business owners, I haven't found them yet. I'm sure they're out there. I just need to do a bit more digging. Um, but maybe, yeah, so what I'm trying to find is, is I don't just want this podcast also to be success stories. I actually want it to be truthful. And so the the folks that I have found are people who who talk with honesty about their experience, but it's generally been fairly positive and they're doing okay now. And I know for a fact, we've got a a colleague who works for one of the major orchestras here in Australia, whose um, partner was a former player in an orchestra who's post-orchestral career has been a disaster emotionally and financially for them and I don't don't want this podcast to only be about the good stories I do want it to be a place for other people for for a range of stories to be heard so that's what I'm thinking deeply going forward is um to have a, a balance of stories that it's not always great and um maybe in a way to sort of be able to help whoever that is maybe through through sharing their story they might and be able to get some enlightenment on themselves and um start to write a sort of better story going forward
0: one thing i'd like to circle back to is this idea of hiding your past <laughs> I guess, whether that be in music or something else, and you said that for you, that was about having a substandard experience and you feeling shamed as a part of that experience. And so kind of not putting that in your LinkedIn profile or your CV or whatever it is, I wonder as well, whether there's an element of if I've made a drastic career change that that means I've failed at something and wanting to hide that failure. Is that something that has come up in these discussions?
1: Um, Interestingly, so the first, this discussion we're having now is going to come out after the first four episodes. So the first four, the real reason for their exit, uh, Jeff, who was number one, was injured. Uh, Caroline, who was number two, was suffering and was experiencing trauma Uh, eric who was number three was just unsatisfied with the with being put in a box Mm. and wanted much more range Mm. to his life Um, and jesse number four was much the same thing he's an explorer and both eric and jesse they couldn't explore and play in a way that they wanted to within the boxes that they had to fulfill so the question about the ration the reason behind the leaving I think is really it's so different for everybody and I think maybe like Eric and Jesse probably talk both of them professionally it's a bit easier to find their music training um, Jeff as a furniture maker, it was really hard to find him so I think it's such an individual um choice be- uh, between all of the guests about actually really why they chose to leave and then how they how how they were feeling and how they do feel about that as to how how open they are in their career 2.0 or career 3.0 and it it doesn't seem to matter whether they're um growing learning thriving being challenged whatever it is in that new career whether they pull their music training through is seems to be much more related to why they left Hmm. and those that um those that were struggling like Caroline talks about how how she's open about it now but she talks about it as being a point at which she was suffering and needed to regain some control over herself and how that's the that's what she uses now as a personal trainer is is transformation and change for people so I think it's really it's really individual and that's what I wanted to get on the podcast as well was to talk to people for, with, with a range of reasons as to why they left and it's not just about people suffering like as I said Jesse and Eric were both um, they just wanted more they wanted to, they wanted to be in a space of um, play and curiosity and they, they didn't feel that they could find that and they didn't want to do one thing forever and ever so um, I think coming back to the question about sort of the hiding part has a lot to do with what happened and what they experienced and 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 the work that they've done as well the other thing i've found really fascinating in these conversations is um the one i recorded just yesterday was with someone who's only two years out of their degree um and then like uh, jeff who's 35 years out of his degree is um the perspective they have and the insight they have on themselves and the distance are uh, being really important as well, not just of, of time, but of the confidence that you have in yourself and your skills. So um, yeah, they're all really different and interesting stories about the, the why they left and then what that means to ha- what they say about
0: who they are now. That range that you just described of say Jeff, who's 30 years out of his music training to someone who's two years out of their training, I wonder if another element that's contributing to their perspective on their their shift or their change is what the world of work is and was at that time when they were being trained that, you know, 30 years ago, people stayed in one career for almost their entire life or maybe had two career changes. And I remember even when I was growing up and my training was, you know, nearly 20 years ago that, We were starting to be told, oh, you're going to have several different careers in your life. You're going to have Mm. several different jobs to fast forward to now where, you know, we're talking about this idea of a portfolio career and you're going to have multiple jobs now all at the one time rather than over the span of an entire career. Mm.
1: And I think that's you're absolutely correct. And I think one again, I really am. I'm doing my best not to just stick a knife into higher education but one of the fundamental problems is that the continuation of the narrative that being a musician equals being paid to play and um, so therefore that is one job because that's sing with an opera company or play with an orchestra there's not even a, a model of the f- freelance how that would look um, so I think that's that's further enhancing the problem of musicians is that the the word musicians is equated with being paid to play your instrument and that's just not the truth Mm -hmm. it's it's a a really it's a set of skills that allows you to do lots of things because that's you know my experience in doing this podcast has been what I've come to learn about myself is that I'm uh I'm angry and hurt and furious at Higher education generally Um, and that's coming from my yeah that's coming from my experience but it's not that's not everywhere and so how do I how do I grapple with that I had a I didn't have a good time but lots of other people do have a good time and the two you know this whole one of the conversations that's coming up in a few weeks with Ralph Bathurst we're talking about ambiguity and uncertainty and holding two truths at the same time. So that's what I'm I'm learning is to sit with the truth with my truth to not gaslight myself about that. But and also the truth of the person that I'm listening to who actually maybe had a really great time. Um and then digging further into this journey that I'm on of recovery of well why am I furious and what can I and what am I and is that serving me well in trying to as a leader, absorb chaos and project hope for others? And what is the cost to me physically and emotionally of just being so angry? Um, You know, for like my undergraduate degree was in 1995. It's a long time to be really angry. Um, uh, So yeah, why, why is the anger stuck in me? And how do I, what can I do to move? from this place and it's i'm you know i've been thinking about this all through COVID lockdowns we're like a year and a half in that i've had the a bit more space and time to think about this and i'm 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 on a journey but i don't know what that's gonna take me to but um yeah i don't want this podcast to be just ragging on um on other people trying to like i said absorb absorb the chaos um hold up a mirror to the guests to help them maybe have some deeper insight into themselves and then um, and normalise the conversation about change in our journeys that we're not stuck
0: at any point. Thank you for asking the question. <laughs> I've got to collect my thoughts after that answer. What is the biggest challenge for you in this right now? Oh,
1: <laughs> the biggest challenge is learning what to do with the hurt because every conversation um here we go uh suffering and grief as we were ta- what we were talking about before was the word we used um shame um it's sitting in my feelings of or through all these conversations um, of revisiting that shame, and trying to remain open to the other person to listen, to let them tell their story, and have and not be overwhelmed by that by the shame that comes up in me with every conversation. Um, yeah, it's like a big shit. It's funny because this is this is where people start to cry when I'm asking the questions as well. Um, So the biggest challenge is, well, I don't want to stay feeling shameful and feeling um, like I have failed and I have no value. And that's how I feel when I think about my learning experiences as a musician. And even, you know, I did a graduate degree a couple of years ago, even as an adult, I reflect back on that and that was the feeling. So the biggest challenge is... um, trying to get through the tunnel of shame because I've been in it for a while Uh, and we know that feelings are tunnels and they have a beginning and a middle and an end and I've been stuck in the middle of it for a while and trying to be truthful. um, I've been trying to do that a bit more this year that the um, you know the fancy LinkedIn profiles and the website and stuff all looks very professional but it's it's absolutely a completely different story to how I feel about myself. And the story that I told myself about my worth and so I'm trying to close that gap a little bit uh and take the in the same way these podcasts are like holding up a, a mirror for people to see what I see in them um that I can how do I do that for myself and that's uh yeah it's pretty challenging but fascinating and thank you for being along for the ride <laughs> every
0: breakfast lunch and dinner <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with people and being so open and honest and brave. Because I think that gap that you describe between the shiny LinkedIn profile or the Facebook feed or the Instagram feed Mm -hmm. and how people actually feel that's real and that's. It's so easy for us to know that gap in ourselves and ignore or not see that everyone else has got that going on as well. And you are such a positive and incredible voice and leader in this space and you are doing such great things through creating a community for people and creating A space where people can listen to these kind of conversations and I think for people to hear that this is going on for you is really important it comes back to those feelings and that we we all have them even someone like you that I know many people look up to and rightly know that your work is amazing that even someone like you can struggle with these things that we're all struggling with these things thank you for such a wide-ranging <laughs> conversation to round out the first four episodes of this amazing podcast i'm looking forward to our next chat in a few episodes time thank you, thank you susan